Shadow Rockford Tower behind enemy lines in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. This is Rob, and uh, we're in the bunker tonight. We're doing sort of a, a jam session. A lot of cool people in to talk about some cool stuff. Um, first, we're going to have our friend and comrade, Hanif Salam. Hello, Hanif. Good evening, everyone. And later, we're going to bring you um, Representative Extraordinaire from the Newark Bear area, uh, Medina. That'll be our, our closing act. And with us, as always, Kay Farster Stomberg, super producer, extraordinaire. Um, he'll be fact-checking, you know, through the evening, giving <laughs> us all the, all the footnotes. For sure. The shit we forget. He'll be beeping out the shit we shouldn't say, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so, um, Hanif, thanks for coming in. I'm very excited to um, listen to what one of the listen to you talk about one of the big projects that you're going to be working on into next year at the new year and into next year when the legislative session se session starts and i'm uh, also excited because we're going to do a lot of like uh collaboration together uh, Most the call and, the, and the podcast but I'm talk, talk about where probation reform is there's probably going to be a a new bill file that's based loosely on the bill that was already there and what kind of work we're going to be doing on it yeah, when it comes to probation reform, the bill that was already there is SB 345. It was sponsored by Senator Pinckney. She dropped it on the last day of session last year to get it on the radar. And a, that bill will be refiled uh, once the new legislative session starts. But probation, probation reform is really about people and not probation. Because you have to understand that it's time for us to reimagine Delaware's broken probation system. Did you know that 94% of the people sent to prison for probation violations have not committed a new crime? So those that we're supervising once they are getting out of prison and supposed to be helping have a successful reentry, we are sending them back for missing appointments with their probation officer. We are incarcerating them for possibly having a substance abuse or mental health issue, right? For not paying fines on time, for not being able to maintain a job when you understand even when you find a job with certain high levels of probation, the reporting requirements are so extreme that it could often interfere with the hiring and maintaining of a employment. We talked about this. This is a part of what we talked about when we talked about the Operation Safe Streets in mm -hmm. the governor's task force, high levels of probation and, and, and monitoring and surveillance and, uh, and violence, like, you know, uh, in, in injected into your everyday life. Can't, can't live that way. Man, Delaware's broken probation system is a pipeline of prison impacted individuals, families, and entire communities across our state every day. But what I found out through research is if Delaware cut the number of probation violations by 60% and reduced the average length of time a person must serve for a violation from four months to two months, 
it will reduce its prison population by over a thousand people and save at least $37 million by 2025. And I know this is, this is, this is all of the, the scholarship that's going to go into supporting this new push when this is refiled. I got to ask you like uh, the general question. So now we get to like the, the nuts and bolts of it. Mm-hmm. Was it last session that there was a rollback even of the, uh, of the bail? So we had, we had loosened yeah. up cash bail yeah. for a lot of these same reasons. Yep. <clears throat> and, because of the, because of the the, the fear mongering of crime, uh, that got sort of cut into, and so now we've actually reinstituted sort of this um, uh, punitive bail. Yes, for, for, indeed. So, in that atmosphere, how do you think? How do you think this? How are we going to direct this fight? To get the to 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 get a, a result that we're satisfied with, because it seems to me that for for, I guess the only reason I gave is just this sort of generalized lots of crime mm-hmm. that we had, you know, a year or two, about a year or two after after uprisings, you know, right, right, right. and COVID. Um, so the environment seems to be gone in the other direction. So what kind of roadblocks do you think? Uh, you're, you know, we're really going to have to push through to get movement on this. Well, we have to push through the obvious. Uh, the, the Delaware Way is not in support of reforming anything that the Department of Corrections is doing. And I think one or two ways that we could break through the roadblocks is one, we have to center our efforts around the voices of people with lived experiences. See, one thing we didn't do with Bell, Bell just made sense on paper. We didn't have to have people who were affected by the crazy Bell laws speaking on their situation. With probation reform, we are focusing on people, not probation. That's why you can even go to peoplenotprobation.com and hear personal testimonies of individuals and how challenging it was for them to get through probation but with the right services and efforts, they were able to make it through probation. You know, so we really want to focus on the people that are truly affected by the probation system. And I found a, a new ally in this fight, my man. I feel like you're going to blow my mind right now. Big business. Yeah. Employers. They want to see probation reform because they want to hire justice-involved individuals. And Interestingly, this does kind of uh, uh, sort of dovetail into the, the labor market, which right now, you know, labor's got a little bit of an upper hand. Yeah. And so I'm not surprised, actually, that you're saying that because it become, it sort of, you know, it, it, it frees up a, a labor market for people. That, like It's an untapped pool of potential. For a lot of businesses who right now say that they can't find enough qualified talent to hire. But this is a group of people that they never look at because as soon as they say a person check yes on a box or they get a background check for an individual, they totally overlook them. So I'm finding that now they're willing to give people an opportunity, but they want to see probation be flexible. 
if they're going to offer a person a job with a salary, pay them fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, they don't want that individual to have to leave every Wednesday at eleven a.m. and be gone for three, four hours because they have to report to a probation officer. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited to hear some of the stories that impact not only employment, but you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier before we started recording that I know how this affects like housing how people are able to like stay in a place if they can, whether they're couch surfing, uh, it affects people who you mentioned before need like health services, yes, indeed. either for addiction, uh, mental health, or really any health services. Um, and of an employment, like you said, I, I don't, the idea, even the idea that something would be punitive and really like extend punishment rather than make all the support available, which most people will take advantage of. Because that's just what you want to do, for sure. Uh, yeah, just it—it it really does seem pretty clear, and I'm—I'm I'm excited to hear the the actual stories because um, I know I'm gonna—we're—we're we're all gonna help sort of amplify it, and we so to. it's gonna be very exciting because well, I told you like with speaking to Sheree Congo about Operation Safe Streets, when you hear how it actually affects somebody like in their home or with their family for however it does, it's pretty powerful. And I want. Or everybody that's listening to understand that Operation Safe Streets is connected to probation reform. We do not need probation officers partnered with cops. Matter of fact, if you go to peoplenotprobation.com, the first recommendation for reforming Delaware's broken probation system is shut down Operation Safe Streets and the Governor's Task Force. The effect of this program is harassment and over-policing of communities of color. It creates a culture of probation focused on law enforcement, not rehabilitation. And one thing about SB 345, once we reintroduce it, there's language in that bill that says that the Department of Corrections will reinvest dollars into community reentry service providers. So you have to have a social services approach when a person is coming home from prison and probation officers should have that mentality instead of a authoritative, let me see how many people I can send back to jail mentality. Yeah, a hundred percent. I hope that, I hope that through these stories, people start making that connection. Like it's, it's, it's only to benefit everyone that we can make this social service and support Rather than, you know, rather than just more punishment for really no no good reason. The numbers, you know, are, are clear. There's really no good reason to have it other than this is what we have. We have it for reasons and we don't want to change it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And I know people will. And that's why I keep saying people, not probation, and encouraging you to go to the website, peoplenotprobation.com, because we have individuals like, Dubar McGriff, who's doing great things in our city and our state right now. By the way, challenges with probation. I have to interject here. Yes, sir. Because I've I met that that guy. Yeah, totally. I've met him a couple times actually. Yeah. Uh, and we always have a nice conversation. And I was like, hey, let me hit you up. We'll we'll do something. But for a guy like me, which I mean, we don't have to get into it. But uh, he's a tough guy to get hold of. Okay. I'd like to talk to that guy. Oh, no, nah, we'll get Doobie in the bunker. Okay. okay. No problem. I'll get Doobie over okay. here for you. Okay. 
Because I know. thought maybe I don't know, you know, I, I, I accept my 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 lowness on the totem pole, but no, I met him the first <laughs> now, time. Now Dubois is a busy guy. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I met him the first time in Dover uh, on a uh, on on a, a, something like this, like uh, some sort of uh, criminal justice reform. Yep. And then I've seen him out a couple times at different events, like ACLU events and stuff. Yep. But uh, yeah, he's a good dude. PeopleNotProbation.com. And then we have people all across the state, like my good friend Shannon Shapter, who resides down in Sussex County, who overcame the challenges of probation, who is currently now a smart justice ambassador and is doing great things in Sussex County and across the state to help others who are going through the challenges trying to navigate this broken probation system. But we are all about people not probation. We have to invest more into the people instead of investing in the probation system that is set up to send the people back to jail. Comrades and friends, I think what you're hearing here is a theme that we've tried to support throughout of all of our work. People. <laughs> not probation. People, not probation. People, not algorithms. People, not money. People, you know. I mean, this is a common theme. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna drill it home every week. I, I hate to tell you. It's well, all about the people. <laughs> exactly. So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to, uh, we're probably gonna, you know, have another refreshment, uh, and we're gonna introduce our, our new guest, and we're gonna have some real fun. So I'm 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 using you as an example. Uh-oh. In this it's a good example. Go figure. Uh because I've found myself in this situation lately of having to deal with uh friction, right? And just sort of interpersonal relationships things like this. Mm. And uh Emotions, feelings, you know, whatever. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so <laughs> they've all been a little bit different, different, sort of different contexts. But for some reason, in the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of having this conversation with all of these different people in different contexts, I always get to the point of, of, of Medina. And I'm like, you know, why can't you just be more like Medina? <laughs> oh, no. I said, this is exactly what I said. I, some I, I'm paraphrasing because I've said this like three or four times, but <clears throat> I said this motherfucker Jerry Heisler Oof. tried to spend his money to drag her name through the dirt in her own neighborhood. I would say, did she act like a big baby? No. Did she come out swinging? Yes. So why can't you be a little more like Medina? <laughs> so that's my way of introducing this sort of topic. Um, just like what's what's your sort of thought after the general election and sort of proving again uh, that your message is good and that your um, constituents uh, like you? <laughs> um, I mean, it's an honor to serve and to be reelected. I there were times where I was worried I wasn't going to be reelected for the primary election. Um so it was it was nice to see that people are paying attention to what we've been working on, that they, you know, 
resonate with the message, the platform. Um, I had quite a few families come up to me on election day in September and in November saying, we're here to vote for you. And who else should we vote for? <laughs> um, which I think says a lot about our campaign and how much we were able to connect to everyone. Um, but also it shows that that connection was motivating people to come out and use their voice. Um, and so, you know, I think Lydia can, can, you know, thank our campaign for great numbers in the 26th. <laughs> um, because everyone who asked us who to vote for, we said Lydia. And right. they, they were like, got it. <laughs> um, Thanks. You know, you could have helped out the show and really pressed for content, but no. <laughs> Uh, I mean, who's who's to say Lydia won't create great content? Maybe she'll create content that's like not illegal, but still interesting. Um, we'll see. But I mean, overall, I was, you know, I'll say I was mildly disappointed with the results of the general election. I think everyone we thought was going to win won. And folks we were hoping would win didn't. <laughs> so it's kind of disappointing, um, especially with Frank's race, where it was just so close. And when it's close like that, it's like, makes you question what you could have done more and you know what made the difference so i think a lot of us are going to be thinking about that and how we can support better in the future um and then of course the results on election night led to the reality of the next two years which is the folks we have to work with um not changing as much as we were hoping so you know it's it's kind of disappointing but i think the strong showings that we had I'm hoping will, you know, impact how people act. By people, I mean Mike Ramone um, <laughs> uh, and others, right? Um, the mics. I mean, we have we have a full mic scenario going on right now. <laughs> scenario. Scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've I've said sort of the same. That's sort of my take on on the general election too. Um, you know, I I do see some of the like retiring sort of shuffled out Dems that got replaced. Um, talking about like Andrea Bennett, um, and again, Dave Bentz was fine. I like that guy, but I think you know, Sophie has potentially could be better. We had to talk about that offline too because I see her doing stuff. I'm like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> okay, you know, I'm talking about like Kobe. Like you don't got to take, you don't got to do that. You don't have to. You don't have to kiss up to everybody. You know, I think, um, so. You don't have to comment on that. I'm just well, saying, not that I, I, appreciate, it's I, like, I appreciate that we, we I appreciate there was some you progress. I saying but. people should be more like me, but I think I've learned in the past couple of months that I probably could have been more effective with swaying caucus members had I not been so much like me. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, it's I just see. that it's that balance, right, between. Like, like it came up in the conversation where people were like, oh, well, you supported people who ran against people in this room. And how do you think how do you think that makes them feel? And I was like, mm, valid question. Right. And I explained why I did that. And I hope that it was understood. Um, But I mean, I got to say, you know, I, I went out on a limb for quite a few folks and some of them won and some of them didn't. <laughs> and like if I was batting. Uh, Carl, what's the expression for like batting well? I don't watch baseball. <laughs> batting a thousand. If I was batting a thousand, I was gonna say a hundred. Then I was like, that's wrong. <laughs> um, if I was batting a thousand, you know, I would have came into that caucus room for the leadership election with my chest puffed out, but I wasn't. So, <laughs> so now you know, I got to work with people who think that I want them to lose, and you know, so I personally am not gonna be critiquing 
um, how people choose to, you know, exist in the space as long as they're with us when it when it matters. Um, and I think there's different ways of engaging with different constituent groups that are, you know, there are different ways to the same goal. I'll yeah, and, I, and well, I, I will say this, no. just just one comment on that, and then Anif go, because I just, I guess my point would be, and I don't know how much this can be appreciated at that level, that like interpersonal sort of really political transactional level, mm. um, like <clears throat> you have an you have an agenda, political agenda, because you're a politician who represents people, and so if I'm just giving a hypothetical if I'm you and I say, well, I'm trying to find colleagues that will help me pass my agenda. And I don't feel like you're doing it. If you start to help me pass my agenda, if I'm so important, because that's what you miss in this is you people want you to like them. Ugh. They don't say it like that because they're afraid. Sometimes they do. Yes, <laughs> because they, they need they, they need the imprimatur of like yeah. a young smart like they need that they need leftist cred. We've talked about this before yeah. too. So they really want it, and so the the answer is yes. I wanted you to lose last time. Next time, maybe I won't. But that's really up to you, isn't it? Yeah. Like you, in two years, I'll make another assessment about whether my comrades run somebody against you or don't, or I support somebody who runs against you or doesn't. But that, my assessment at that time is wholly dependent on you. So if you want to be a baby about it and just think it's sort of interpersonal, you can do that. Yeah. But really what it is is a professional relationship that was only made in a professional way and if and and you could very easily have my full-throated support and the support of my comrades and friends in two and a half in two years. We'll see. So I I, I don't know that that that's the part that really gets to me is yeah. that the thing. So I'm sorry, Hanif. Go ahead. Not I mean, you actually said what I was going to say, but nice one. I was going <laughs> to say Medina, stay Medina, because you know. I understand the game is chestnut checkers. Yeah. So you can play politics as usual. You can play the Delaware away game, and you're right. I have leadership in the house. But if you stay you, this election show, your constituents, the people, want you. Right. So it is a harder fight amongst your colleagues because it's not just you. But you got to stay you. Please, yeah. don't, please don't start playing politics as usual, Medina. No, I won't. I won't. Like, no, I mean, I don't think we, have, we might could go a little bit harder because right? I, I don't think we have to people worry about doing that. stuff amongst your colleagues that wow. I don't agree with with some of these bills. So I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, no, Medina will be all right with it. But I'm like, if you cool with it, I'm cool with it. But if you're not, <laughs> let's go, Medina. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Sure. Yeah, I just think, um, yeah. you know, the the bigger picture. And, you know, I don't know, maybe Carl can speak to this, too. It's like, it's pretty clear now that the Working Families Party is a thing. Like, a legitimate thing. For sure. That people yeah. are going to have to, like, deal with. You got to respect it. R right. Period. And so, <laughs> and so, boom. That's, that's what the kids say now. In period. That's on period? That's on what? That's on period. <laughs> <laughs> we have stuff for that. You should just go to the, oh, you're not talking about <laughs> these kids today are really something yeah and probably the kids that are listening are like you yeah. don't say that anymore <laughs> i don't know that's like the yeah. first time i ever said it uh, that sounded good and to that's me. on period I, I, I love it 
Yeah. But um, WFP. W WFP has to be reckoned with in some fashion. So people try to ignore it. That didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's pretty clear, like where the where the energy is with WFP. You know, it's a it's a broad organization. People know who support it and who do who does work for it, but people know that there's a there's a there's a central nervous system that's driving the the mood. Yeah. Like that's getting us up, getting us down, directing our anger, directing our organizing work, whatever. And I'm very humbled and I'm not even bullshitting this is like getting out of character a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. Does kids still say for real, for real? Or no? <laughs> no, I don't think Fuck. so. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm incredibly lucky to have two of them in this room, presently in the studio with us. So when people are like, yeah, if people are coming to you and saying that stuff because, look, they know which way the wind blows, yeah. whether they, you know, however they act about it sure. or not. And um, yeah, and I'll just say that I don't know how much you want to say, sort of about the. What to say? The leadership vote, the speaker vote. Yeah. Um, I said something publicly. I still believe it. I actually said it to Paul at uh, at Nomad last week. Um, you know, you you played you played the hand. You know, that's what you know. You can only you can only throw the stones that you have. You know, you can only apply so much pressure. And so I don't know, like if if you were gonna fight, which I'm always a proponent for. I seen I don't hadn't I didn't see any other way to to do it. Yeah. No, I think And so I am I'm, I'm I'm actually very content. I know I know a lot of people were disappointed. I know it sucks. Highly disappointed. Yes, I know it sucks. I said oh this to my. Paul. I said this to uh, Paul. I said this to Paul. But but I I appreciate it. I I and the only thing I can what say What do you appreciate? Here's oh, what no, I, I'm sorry with Dean. I got it. <laughs> You know, I, I normally I'm respectful it. of Rob in a bunker, but on this one, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're thinking of the wrong. You're thinking of the wrong people. Okay. But what I'm, what I, what I hope, okay. actually, I don't even hope it. What I know, I feel, in, in, like I really feel this way. Mm -hmm. There are, there are a group of people that need to learn particular lessons from this, and I'm sure they're going to learn them. Okay. And I know that they'll never happen again. And because I don't think, I I I don't think there was enough. I think the people that were going to sell out were always going to sell out, and they were in a position to like everything hinged on them. So whether they made a public decision or a private decision, that was it. It was a kind of fait accompli. You know what I mean? Mm. So we took a took a big stab at it. We've got to learn the lessons, though, because some, some missteps were made. <laughs> we'll just say that. Uh, a few uh, missteps were made. Okay, maybe I, mean, I can I, let I, you live with that. Is that, that, is that, fair? Is that a fair I, way I to put it? I could say that's fair, but, but to me, it was disappointing because it seemed like the same old Delaware way. But I could, I could mm. live with I mean, I but you're right. You're yeah, I, and I think you're right, too. Right. It certainly is the same. I just don't think there was another. Everybody's like, I don't think there was another major strategy or move no, that would have broken absolutely it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But that's the lesson, right? I think I think there were a lot of folks and and like I'll be 100% honest with you guys. I was very disappointed and I was slightly surprised at how So, okay. For for those that weren't, you know, yeah, following I, I, this like I don't want to <laughs> give I right? I don't know how much like yeah, don't well, worry, how much I'll be careful. I'll be careful. Well, Carl's the one who's going to take it all out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be careful. It's like 
<laughs> so I'm Muslim, right? So we believe you got to do your best and then trust in God, right? So I'm going to do my best and then Carl can edit. Um, <laughs> so in this here, analogy, Carl is, is what? <laughs> Carl, Carl is rubbing his forehead like uh, what? Um, okay, so we vote secretly as a caucus so we don't know and we and we only have the votes counted until a majority is reached so we don't know what the final vote breakdown was what we do know is it was not close um statistically speaking right it's not likely carl did you ever do the numbers on like what the statistical likelihood is uh not specifically i still need to get to that um but if it was like half half right like if like if it was 14 to 13 or 12, whatever the other number would have been, um, it would have been like a Pete, one vote Paul, another vote Pete, another vote Pete, another vote Paul. Like, it was not like that. <laughs> it was Pete, 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 Paul, Pete, Pete, Paul, Pete, Pete, Paul, Pete, <laughs> or whatever, right? And so um, I think what I learned from that is kind of the lesson that you were insinuating towards the beginning of this conversation, which is, we need to continue to run people in these spaces. And I think there were a lot of people who thought, oh, well, if, you know, we had this master strategy and we help Paul in this way and that way, um, we're going to be successful. And like you said, some of these people were just going to vote for, for Pete regardless. Right. You could offer them the world. You could offer them speaker, right? Correct. Which we were all prepared to do was to have anyone really right. <laughs> run. Um, and it just was Paul was the only one brave enough um to do it right and i mean sure i i guess i'm brave enough but i knew there was no chance i would win <laughs> right right so like if you, yeah, because if that's you the go thing. through like you the could... list the people who right. are brave enough and can pull together a coalition paul was our guy and he still couldn't get close enough and right you know, and that's other... not on him that's not on any of us yeah that's... and anybody else who could have who could have swayed it obviously was not going to like whatever they did and and again I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but during the campaigns, you know, you saw certain certain other Democrats wanted to come out and help. Certain other ones didn't. Yeah. But I did see Val popping around. I mean, we we didn't we know we didn't see Nicole Poor. That's we know Stop. that <laughs> she was she didn't come to the restaurant. It was right down the street from her house. <laughs> she she didn't answer friendly questions from the ACLU. She didn't do the survey from the League of Women Voters. <laughs> Who ignores the League of Women Voters? <laughs> so, but but somebody Nicole, like, if you're listening, we're still girls. We're girls. Don't yeah, worry. and, and <laughs> but believe me, this makes this actually that that whole video uh, montage and, and the way that it was produced makes Nicole Poor look pretty dope. I think she was like, yeah, she also won like pretty handedly yeah and, and actually <laughs> like first of all she won she didn't have to do anything and you made a dumb video and you embarrassed yourselves and we're laughing about it now because it did, like yeah i mean it makes nicole look it's good a, it's a beautiful part of delaware delaware heritage at this it's point right down the, has she knocked on her door has she asked yeah, for your vote she, she sure was knocking on doors but probably not republican doors because yeah. <laughs> winning strategy alert yeah <laughs> But 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 others, on the other hand, I think were sort of jockeying. Like Val was sort of jockeying, you know. But she had made calls on Pete's behalf on the Kathy thing, 
And so I, mm, she was I full, she was full of shit from the beginning, I think. But the fact that she, the fact that Val was full of shit from the beginning doesn't really, that's, who cares? I mean, you could, there was nothing you could do about that. But, you know, she was strutting around during campaign time telling people that looked pretty safe, like, I don't know, Cindy Romer and, uh, you know, folks of that nature. We just talked about one before, too. Um, about, like, how, what she was going to do when she was going to, like, she's not our fucking, uh, comrade. She's not, she, she's not even really, she doesn't even really share the same interests. Um, so, I, I don't know, I just, I think it, it actually did answer a lot of questions for me, and I hope that other people had the same questions answered for them. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's one of those situations where, like, like people will take what they want from it right like it's they're just gonna fulfill whatever they thought before with this so you know there were some folks who were like oh paul can't pull it off like beforehand and so it's like now that we didn't win i think they're just gonna say oh well it's because of that i really don't think that's the case um you know but whatever you know it doesn't matter at this point the way i look at it it's status quo which means everyone else we behaves with status quo right like if paul had been successful and we had a new speaker um i could see that have being worse honestly than what we're in right now because then you end up with folks that are more complacent like folks like me who would go into session optimistic maybe too idealistic um maybe assuming that the speaker that we have you know would be supporting things that are good and maybe my guard would be down whereas now i'm going into session the same exact way i went into last time um and one thing that we'll see is a lot of the conversation was it was basically like a <laughs> airing of grievances. Um, I think Delaware liberal described it as festivus, which was kind of interesting. Um, it was a long, long, long meeting. A lot of people spoke about things that they didn't like about Pete's leadership style. And he just kept doing the, you know, divorce dad in the, in the front yard. <laughs> the van is all packed up. The kids are in, <laughs> buckled up. We're heading to my sister's house. And it was like, I will be different. I will change. I'm a, I'm a new man. I have all that, right? And so where I'm at right now is show me. Show me. Show me that you're a new leader. If, if he doesn't show that, then I can be the same way I was last time. <laughs> show me, Pete. Well, that goes The right. Democrats supported Leobor reform. Show me, Pete. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what I was saying before. Like everybody, everybody gets real bitter and petty about how they were treated or what you know Pete's going to change. And this person's, you know, you you mentioned uh, Mike Ramone. You know, he only won by a couple dozen votes. Um, now nah, I'm the only one who's primary by less than a hundred votes. None. I don't think they're any, none of them are going to change. It's all fake. They have because yeah. the because their interest that the interest that Pete serves uh, this term. Is the exact same sets of interest that he served the last five terms. The difference is he's got to pretend that he's got to be better in the office to people or something. Well, it's not just about the agenda, right? Like one of the main themes was that he was overturning the will of the caucus, right? I mean, we saw that publicly. We 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 know of it happening behind closed doors as well. Um, and so, if he continues to do that. I think then I am well within my rights to continue to run, you know, people against folks that are going to vote for him. And everyone knows that's what I'm going to do. If he does right, do that, Medina. if he if he's true to his word 
which he gave to all of us, that he's going to change the way that he runs the house, then I don't have anything to complain about because my bills will get votes. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing that happen. If it doesn't, then, you know, we switch the strategy up. But at this, I think in a way this gives us more power because it, the ball's in his court. Right. Right. So Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I said before about just, just the idea of, like, the not even with leadership but with other uh, members of the status quo caucus just being, like, having their feelings hurt. Uh, like, yeah, the ball's in your court, though. Right. Like, I, I'm not, like, this is not, like, I'm not talking about, like, the clothes you wear. <laughs> like, I'm talking about the interest that you're serving, and you're not, I have an agenda, a people's agenda, uh, and the stakeholders aren't the same set of stakeholders you have, so I'm trying to run your ass out of here, because that's just how it works. But I, but But as you said, you won't be so eager to do it in two years, if they get their act together. Yeah, now, I mean, now look, again, are they are, are the they thing, ready right? to do Pete that? Pete is though? one vote. If if he runs, but he, the next you said you said the, as, the, 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 the but the leadership vote was pretty lopsided. It was, but I would rather us like for example, in the past session, I had a few different bills that got out of committee with strong Democratic support and never got heard on the floor. This is not private. This is public. This is something I've been complaining about for months. Um, and I complained to Pete about prior to the caucus meeting, and I complained about it then, too. Um, if my bills had gone to the floor for a vote, they would have passed the House. They would have gone to the Senate. So if Pete wants to vote no, that's fine. They still would pass. I don't care if he votes no, if they pass. <laughs> like it doesn't. And if he votes no, and half of my Democratic caucus votes no, too, and it fails, then we all know who doesn't support that agenda item. The problem for me was really the fact that it was not ever in the light of day because it never got that vote. And that is on him, that he's the only one who Correct. gets to make that decision. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a He's he's enforcing some sort of, like, undemocratic status quo because he has certain interests that are interested in that, even though he has a Democrat behind his name, like the cops and the Chamber of Commerce and other interests. And so, yeah, I mean... There are popular things that would pass that never get a vote. Right. For for because of two people, basically. Or who get a vote, who that get a vote, <laughs> bills that get a vote, that fail because he works to make people vote against their interest because he threatens them, right? Like with the overturning of the veto on marijuana. That had the votes to pass and he worked to keep it from passing. Right. And what interest did he serve in doing that? Like not like just his own, not the caucus, not the people. He only serves a narrow set of interests. And I, and I don't understand. Everybody's sort of like you said. He threatened people. Uh, threatened them with what? Like he's doing the stuff, and he's doing everything he can do. Like he's not going to do anything. What can he do? He can he, he can, can take you off committees. But he's going to do that he anyway. He's not, already not set for these, these committees. That's the thing. The people. But that, he's already set all the all the big yeah. committees that have to push that have to get push stuff pushed through them, uh, are are stacked with the the oldest worst reactionary status quo scumbags in the state, and he put them there. As well, the people that were on the committees are the ones that the ones that have the power and the chairmanships and all that are the people that switch their votes. Because they just want to be the chair of that committee. Yeah, he the people who yeah. voted against right to counsel and the people that voted against the 
veto override when it came back up. There were several people, and those aren't like the super progressive types that don't have any power. It's the people that have something to lose. Right. They yeah. they didn't want to lose their. Medina didn't change her vote on the no, veto. No. I mean, <laughs> thank you for the I, clarification. No, I I, I but, didn't think you did. Yeah, was, no, I, was I insinuating no, no, that you did? I'm totally joking. Oh, no, okay. We, no, we knew I, that. But let's like. He's, but you're, you're, he's you're, making, a, you're making a, a direct. It's your swing voter, right? right? It's your swing voter that has something to lose. Yeah. If, and they would lose the chair, the chair of their. They might lose their seat on bond. They might lose chairmanship of JFC. And well, those what does Namdi and Boulder have to lose? Because they definitely ain't voting for the people. That I don't know, but <laughs> thank you know what, Hanif, thank you for that because he's exactly right. I mean, well, Bolden's chair Bolden's of revenue, on... Namdi's chair of a couple of committees, but Bolden's they don't really. Yeah. So I mean, that, there's I a lot of other stuff going on there too. And I heard Namdi's getting sponsored by FOP now, so it makes a little uh, bit of okay. sense. Okay, that you know, I it it is it, it is a little bit. And, and I guess, you know, it doesn't matter that you do it this way because you're only serving a narrow set of interests. But if you were serving, you know, real stakeholders like everybody, you wouldn't even worry about that. Because the if one, you, if you, got, if you made a vote that I you will... believed in and you were removed from a committee now, like it happened to Kowalko. Okay, fine. But it happened to, yeah, but it happened to, well, Bombbox is different. Can we talk, can we have a heart to heart about this, this specifically? I love Paul, man. I do. I just saw him the Nomad. I love that guy. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that what you said I think is true, that he was really the only suitable you know, candidate that had a chance that actually had the, had the, the nerve to stand for it. I, I shout out to him for that. I respect that. I mean, it was not easy. I, I, I think everybody understands uh, my my. Yeah, yeah, the shoe's gonna drop, and we're so gonna, we're just gonna put cotton balls right and. Oh boy, it's so. like here we go. How, how, however, we go now to the to the critique. I don't think in that situation, the best person is like somebody who won't curse on the microphone, uh, or somebody who has kind of has a he sort of has a history of being sort of bullied, pushed aside a little bit. He already sort of has that history. Now, I respect the shit out of the fact that he decided that, you know, he, and, and he was a better, he was a better candidate because his, uh, you know, he had more, uh, you know, years there and he knew more people and whatever, whatever. Uh, but, I mean, look, you, you, you don't, you don't bring a, you don't bring a Presbyterian pastor to a gang fight. You know, you know what so I mean? Who, who do you bring? I don't know. See, that's the question that no one can answer Correct. for me. Because people have said this to me. And it's right. like, uh, I wish I wish the listeners could see my face. Because it is yeah, a it face is. of uh, exasperation. <laughs> exasperation. I, I, I know. Because like, yeah, okay, a big eye roll person. You too, don't bring so. him to the fight. Who do you bring? Right. You don't bring me. Well. Who do you bring? And, and if you can't answer the question. Right. Then you bring who you got. Right, and I and, and I did I, and I did say I don't I, I just I, I he might I not curse on the mic, but he I can confirm he did have a nice. <laughs> okay, this is the first thing I'm gonna bleep. Yeah, he he did. <laughs> <laughs> you have to bleep this too because he was sitting at the bar at Nomad, and we had already talked outside. Oh, the funniest thing is, I'm outside. Uh. Smoking the joint. 
I'm taking offense and to this because the funniest thing should be my comedy set. So we would be a surprise. Believe me, we're getting to that. Oh, God. oh we're not even. We're getting to that. Oh, man, I'm going to be here all night. All right. I just wanted to. So uh, Lex Wilson, our friend from the News Journal, uh, moved to, to Philly, but he's still taking the train most days. He doesn't even have a car. He just bikes and stuff. But he's, he's a, you know, he's a degenerate journalist. <laughs> so he's on a conference call walking across the street of the Nomad. He was going to stop in last Wednesday. But here comes Paul Bombach. And I'm talking to Paul. We're sort of commiserating. Exactly. We're sort of commiserating. And all of a sudden, Lex notices that I'm talking to Paul. Runs over and is like, look, I'm just going to tell you. I'm Xerxes Wilson from the News Journal. This is off the record. But I got to talk to you. I literally, like, I said, Paul, I'm sorry. And I went inside. So I know he got so he got cornered for some shit there, but okay, let's talk about the the tight five. Oh, okay. So, Paul, you owe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. do, every time I see Paul at an event, we always say hello. He's always super cool. Yeah. So I hope I hope this critique is being received in the manner that it's being. Yeah, I given. mean, if you really if you distill your criticism down, it's um. Paul's a nice guy and not an a-hole like some people. And I don't know. Call me crazy, but I think someone who's not an a-hole maybe is cut out to be a leader. Mm. I don't know. Especially since we've been getting bullied for like at least the past 10 years down there. You know, maybe we need somebody who knows what it feels like to be bullied and won't turn around and do the same thing to everybody else. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Man, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of hard to argue with that. Yeah. Okay, so you want to talk about my attempt at stand-up comedy? So, uh, so, so first of all, don't don't start already before we even get to it. You already set the bar. My attempt. At I am an amateur. You're already you're already trying to undermine. You're <laughs> lower undermining. expectations. Yes, <laughs> folks. This is <laughs> people. People are like, oh my god, you're so good. Yeah, because I lowered the expectations. Carl's Carl's <laughs> taking all of this out because. <laughs> What she what this is pure gaslighting right now. She's trying to set the bar low. She's already trying to undermine the story with this, and I don't like it. <laughs> so I found out several months ago that you were doing open mics in in the area, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's dope!" I was like taken aback. I didn't know. It was, like, I don't know. I was, I I never know anybody who did it. Because I, I sort of understand that sort of um, way of thinking. Those little punchy little stories mm, and stuff. Yeah. But I haven't seen it yet. And so when you were able to come to the call event and you hit me up like the day before or maybe the day of. And you were like, no, I definitely can go. You know, Isaiah's going to go. Also, you know, I might. When's, when is it over? I might hit an open mic afterwards. So I was like, oh, I got you. So I was like, look, we got two bands. There's a set break. Why don't you do five at the set break? And literally, you hit me back immediately. You're like, you know what? I'm going to say yes because I need to start saying yes. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be incredible. And like, so I just started like. I was like, so nervous. Oh so God. I just started like. Are you really? Yeah. I just started I filtering. Really nervous, I just started filtering through the crowd like like before I told like one person. And then I, I like I sent a text to one person. And then, like, when Paul came, like, literally, you were, I think you were already there. And, like, other people were there. And I, I just, I said, uh, do you know, uh, do you know Medina does stand-up comedy? He was like, I don't. <laughs> and I was like, Paul, 
do I have a treat for you? <laughs> he went, he went, what? I was like, when we have a set break in here, the first band's done. Before the second band, I said, Medina's going to do a tight five stand-up. He was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not kidding you at all. Um, so, yeah, you did it. The coolest thing was we saw you at the bar before doing with your little pad, working stuff up. So then I was excited because you're sort of, again, scratching in a pad, which is another thing that I do. Um, but I thought so similar. I thought I thought you. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that Quran route right now. And we'll do have a quiz. We'll see how you do. Your listeners have no idea what that's supposed to be. That's, <laughs> that's just for us. That's just for that's an inside joke for us. You don't do inside jokes on podcasts, do you? Of course you? we do. He it's takes to be them out. Inside with the listener. They know. Yeah, they know. They know that I am a Muslim. They do know that. I mean, I think. <laughs> do they not know this? They ought to. <laughs> I yeah. Like, I was like, I, th- I thought I thought everybody they knew that. They ought to know. They ought to know by now. So. You get up there, and it was like it was a pretty nice crowd in there, and it was like people it was like a nice mix of people we know or like that knew that you were sort of like a you know a famous person, like a representative, and you you got up there, you fucking killed. Thanks. People were killed. People were. I mean, the closer, the closer killed the coons closer. That was oh, really yeah. something. Yeah. Because <laughs> I I was telling these guys. Uh, that that was the closer, but I couldn't remember the, the sort of the buildup. But I, re- I I remember like you know it was a, a, like a minute of buildup, and everybody's like hanging on this sort of buildup. And then you say the you say the c word, and people <laughs> literally yelled out cunt, and then and you're like ha ha gotcha yeah like so it was it was That's a cool like little comedy, gotcha. You. You, it's a gotcha. Pull the rug out from underneath I, them. Right? I love. They it. think they know. They <gasps> what? Yeah. I love the mechanics of it. I was like, yeah. I turned this to per. I don't even remember. I think it was uh, maybe it was Claire. I was like, see what she did there. Like I love the mechanics of it. Yeah. I was really fascinated by it. That was the first time I did that part of that joke. But that was that was special for you guys. I've told the joke before, but with folks that are less political. Yeah. So I had to do a couple examples of other people whose names should be changed. <laughs> right. Um, and then I get to that. So, yeah, I, I'm glad it didn't bomb. I'll tell you that. No, you certainly did not. Going from like, so since I only started doing this over the summer, and so when I do political speeches now and like you know little like inspiring speeches with the kids and stuff, and people are listening and it's quiet, it freaks me out because it's like, why are they not laughing? <laughs> so I get this feeling like I'm like, oh my god, I'm bombing, I'm bombing, and then I'm like, oh wait, I didn't make a, I didn't. Drop a punchline. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, it's like real serious. Actually, now that I think about it, this isn't even supposed to be funny. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. But then what I'll do is I will throw a joke in there, and if they laugh, then I'm like, okay, so they're quiet because they are listening. I'm, they're still with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting going back and forth between trying to make people laugh consistently and trying to like teach them something or trying to convey like an emotion. Um, so with that said, is a lot of your jokes political, or you just have one no. or two you throw in the mix? Yeah, most of them aren't. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'll throw some in, or I'll like introduce that I'm a state rep, and I'll like make a joke about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried a Trump joke out at an open mic <laughs> in Smyrna because why not? <laughs> I mean, and I'll... it was 
I feel like it would have done better up here. But basically, I was like. So what kind of room was it? What kind of room? It was a brewery. Okay. And it was like, <laughs> it was very bright, which was another weird. Okay. Like, most of the time when you're doing comedy, it's dark and yeah. like you can't really see everybody. Yeah. And all they can see is you. Right. So it was more of like people at their table talking to their friends and like looking at each other. Like, should we laugh? <laughs> right. Whereas when it's dark, it's like you laugh kind of naturally. Yeah. Um, and then everybody else is laughing. So now you're laughing, even though maybe you didn't think it was funny. But um, yeah, I basically was like, so Trump's running for president. And I could hear people start groaning a little bit like, oh, no, why is she going to do that? <laughs> oh, so it was that no, kind of groaning. You know, kind of like a little bit. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it anyway. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, Trump's running for president, which kind of reminds me of when I'm in the car with my friend and she's driving and she starts texting. (laughs) And I just kind of look over at her like, can you not? (laughs) And like, (laughs) they did not laugh. (laughs) I thought it was pretty good. I've tried multiple times and they never laugh. And I'm like, I'm going to keep trying it because it's I'm funny. looking at you telling it into the microphone and I'm looking over here there's nothing here but I'm imagining the, the person pe- the you people know you've that been in that, that situation before you know like, you're like they're just sending one message and then they're like still texting you're like oh you're just gonna you just text and drive okay um so we're doing it can so you can you not can I drive <laughs> <laughs> and I said that and they were they laughed a little bit at that part but I was like all right well it's open mic you try things sometimes they work sometimes they don't you know well, that's what's cool is to be able to like when I saw you writing, I was like, I wonder, I wonder what we're gonna get. I wonder if we're gonna get page three tonight, or page five. <laughs> yeah, like my rule of thumb right now is I try a couple new things and I go with a few things I know work. So like some of what I said to you guys, I I know it it does well. Yeah, and it's not you gave really us the A material. And yeah, the, but let I, me like, tell you something, folks. Stuff, at, the like, was, event, you, at the Delaware Call event, at the Delaware Call, at the Delaware Call event. We get the A material. <laughs> there's no, there's, right. no, there's no, there's no, there's no workshopping. It's not a fucking workshop. It's a Delaware call event. Yeah. Thank you very much. Which like Johnny, it's like going on Johnny Carson. Johnny, <laughs> you want to do, do the best stuff? You got to do yeah. the best stuff. Yeah, top five hits. <laughs> now I do want to say one last thing because I know. Didn't you have one more thing you needed to talk about? <laughs> you have one more thing we were talking about earlier because Medina was here. I did, Rob. Thanks for reminding me. I know. This is why I'm, I host this program. You guys are great. Medina. Yes. Let's talk to the people about civil asset forfeiture. Ooh, yes. Because I yes. know this is something that you're into. Yes. Because you were working hard on drafting legislation on civil asset forfeiture. I know you had conversations with the ACLU about sponsoring legislation. Yeah. around civil asset forfeiture. And the ACLU and other advocates really wanted to see that. Let's talk about where we're at with civil asset forfeiture. Sure, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so civil asset forfeiture. So, uh, and fill me, help me out here if I, like, mess it up because you're the expert on it. I'm just, you know, excited about it. <laughs> um, but basically, as it stands right now, if you get pulled over um, – and law enforcement, and you have like, I think it's $250 or something like that or more on you in cash. They can seize it if they have, if they think that it could be connected to the crime or a crime. Um, and because of that, folks that are underbanked, unbanked, 
um people that work under the table maybe that like have a lot of cash on them or are on their way to make a purchase um or keep it with them because they, that's safer than leaving it somewhere um they're more likely to have their assets seized and right now the system for getting it back is one where you have to prove that it wasn't part of a crime right. um as opposed to the state having to prove that it was so you're basically guilty until proven innocent in this case. And the money that's seized or assets of other types are not, it's not being transparent right now about like where that stuff's going. And we know it's right. going to police exactly. to fund, you know, their fun. Police stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but Delaware is one of the least transparent states in the country when it comes to asset forfeiture usage, where it's going. And we have one of the more difficult um laws when it comes to proving that your asset was not part of a crime. And so if, you know, say you got a bunch of money on Christmas and you got money from your birthday and your grandma gave you some money because she knew you wanted to buy a house Mm -hmm. and you have this money, you're on your way to deposit it and you get pulled over and they bring a dog out and they sniff all the cash you have, it's very likely that it's going to have a hit for having mm-hmm. drugs on it because most money in circulation does um and so the dog says yep there's drugs here in whatever way that they signal that because dogs don't talk and <laughs> they take your money now you have to go to court um even if they drop the charges and they they even say if they right, drop the charges you have to petition right your money back so you them. have to have time to go to court and make your case you have to be able to do that you have to prove really where the money came from. And it's not like your grandma gave you a receipt showing it came out of her bank account. Right. And if you didn't put it in a bank account because you don't have access to one or, you know, whatever reason, maybe you're undocumented or all these different things, um, you're out of your money. And there are people who don't show up to petition for whatever reason. Maybe they can't get off work. They can't get transportation. They're scared to be involved with the justice system. So that money just gets forfeited. And right. that's not that's not fair. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. And, and I appreciate all the work that you did in drafting legislation to address this serious issue. So I guess I'm curious where we're going um, with it from here. Yeah. Because I'm hearing other advocates saying that there are other of your colleagues interested in this. <laughs> I, I don't know their names. I've never heard about them supporting police reform before. Yeah. But now they want to sponsor... Civil asset forfeiture. So will we yeah. be seeing I think your we will bill be seeing it. or will we be seeing a bill? So we will be seeing a bill that I'm okay with or we will okay. be seeing multiple bills. Okay. Um. So, and I appreciate you kind of like <laughs> teeing this one up for me. <laughs> um. Yeah. So last session I had a bill drafted. I met with advocates in Sussex County where this has been a big issue mm-hmm. among the undocumented community. They gave me edits for it. Um, I incorporated those edits. I met with folks with the ACLU, um, sent it over to the Office of Defense Services, who was also interested in this. Um, And (laughs) we talked about this earlier in the episode, but my bills aren't getting heard, right? So by the end of session, I realized when it was ready to go, I realized there's no way I'm going to get this passed, right? Because our speaker is an ex-cop, and cops are not going to support any legislation that I introduce on the topic. Right. So it would take coalition building um, 
over the summer I was made aware of one rep at least who's working on this and I'm not going to say their name because I'm not sure if they're ready to talk about it openly but they brought it to me and said hey I'm working on this and I was like oh I was working on that too (laughs) um and they were like oh I didn't know or whatever so I'm gonna be coordinating I cannot I can neither confirm nor deny that but I will be coordinating with them because like at the end of the day what matters is we need to reform the system so it's safer for everyone and more fair and um so however we have to do that I'm down to do it and We'll see if we have a new speaker. If if Speaker Schwarzkopf is you know leading a in a different man. way, right. then I'm glad to be the lead sponsor on it. But if that's not the case, I want the bill to get heard and passed. And I think this other person has a better shot of doing that. And okay. so if that were if that's the case, I would I'm glad to help in the background, advise, introduce amendments if necessary, all of that. Um, and like I said, I met with advocates about it already. So if my draft is not the one that moves forward, I will be offering any, you know, con- any contrast that there is between the two bills. I'll be bringing that up and underlining it. Um, but, yeah, in the past, like, few weeks, um, the the story from the Bible of Solomon and the, the two women that are fighting over the baby, the baby. Okay. right? Like, mm-hmm. it keeps coming to me where it's like, mm-hmm. The person who is is content with the baby being cut in half is not the one who should have the baby, you know? So if, you know, in this scenario, the baby is civil asset forfeiture reform, I would rather it it happen (laughs) than to cut it in half to have some credit for it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's definitely a priority for me this coming session. All right. Well, I'm glad um, I know where you're at because, like I said earlier in the show, if you with it, I'm with it. But if you got something to say, we're riding yeah. with Medina. You're the, you're, the, you're, the litmus, you're the litmus test on this. You're the litmus <laughs> test. Now, do you think uh, – <clears throat> so you kind of had a a, a, a a a Republican sort of advocate or somebody on your side with this with Benini. Yes. And then he got beat. Yeah. So he, he's he's gone. And, and it's it seems like <clears> – <throat> In Delaware, at least, that that strain of sort of like libertarianism is sort of gone. It's 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 more reactionary. You know, everybody loves the cops, sort of stuff. I mean, is that going to be a problem, or is this something like that the mics that the mics could jump into, or are the mics mm. too are the mics too wedded to uh, like status quo cop stuff? I don't know. Because this question. is pretty bad. I mean, this is this is egregious, yeah. and you would think that this would be again. A, there were people in the other political party who used they're not as around as much anymore, but uh, that used to <clears throat> be able to help do some of this stuff as well. Yeah. Which you know, I'll take I'll take somebody helping doing something like this because this is very this is egregious. Yeah, I think it'll depend. Um, I hope that it's not a problem. I mean, we're down Benini, but we gained a Democrat in the Senate as well. So I I'm not really worried about the Senate so much as I'm worried about the House. Um, but. This is not like Leobor, where you can maybe make an argument that this is going to hurt cops, right? Like, this is going to make their life more difficult. This does not make any, this doesn't cause issues for cops. In a way, the way I look at it, it makes them look much more uh, like they have more integrity, right? Because the idea originally behind this this policy is we're going to seize drug money and we're going to use it to do the war on drugs and like try to not but but if you think about it philosophically 
the way that we're using all this money to fund that and we're still having that problem kind of just perpetuates it. So it's like, is it a good thing for cops to be making money off of drug money or money from other crimes? Like, doesn't that compromise the system? And shouldn't, if we're effective at taking on these different types of crime, shouldn't the amount of money that's being seized decrease over time? Ideally, right? But it's not. Well, and even so, the, the, the other the other aspect, and I don't remember what the percentage was, but <clears throat> even if if they d- dismiss the charges, you know, if, if they seize yeah, stuff, yeah. it's on your. They just keep it unless you can figure out how to get it back. Basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, so of, that's part of what I I think. There's a few different things that can be addressed um, in reforming the system. One of them is how do you get your stuff back, and should the burden of proof be on you or on the state? I think that should not be too much of an issue, right? So, like, if we break the bill up into a few different concepts, I think, I think you get a lot of Republicans supporting that, um, because they're like, well, why should I have to prove, right? They don't, they never want to have to prove, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. innocence. Um, so that I mean, that makes sense. Um, but if we if we make more transparency around police spending, that might not be as popular among Republicans. I don't know. Um, they they say they like transparency. <laughs> But I think with civil asset forfeiture, I think it's such a deep rabbit hole mm-hmm. that they'd be willing to change policy before they'd be willing to even touch that rabbit hole of where that money's going. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Early on. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, you're right. In the past, it's been spearheaded by like bipartisan um, leadership. And that could be something that we talk about. Me and the other person that's working on this is like who are some Republicans we can bring into the process earlier and see if they're on board. And if they're not, you know, move on. But I think sometimes that that strategy does work when you bring people in earlier and kind of work with them and hear them out. Because if it comes down to it, if there's five things you want to take on and they're down to take on four of them, maybe we run a bill that has those four concepts there that we can agree on and we run the, the fifth one separately. This is stuff Carl gets into. This is sausage. <laughs> this is you put. You know, you gotta talk to this person, and you gotta do this, and you gotta do. You know, you gotta do polling. Well, Some, this sometimes is new you to do, me. Uh, sometimes you gotta do polling. This is new to me. So when they said civil asset forfeiture, I said Medina, right? And they said no. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm we glad have that. I'm learning. We how do have to certain. And I appreciate play that. Political I appreciate that because I really was like, wait, what? And I, yeah, I started to think. Well, maybe I'm the one that. Am I? Nah, it, Am it I? Definitely wasn't you. Am I? <laughs> and they were like, "No, you not." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> okay." I mean, the fact of the matter is, and it goes right to what we were talking about before. Uh, you represent a certain thing that uh, they people both need it very much but are extremely afraid of it. We talked about it in the, in the speaker in the leadership race. Uh, we talked about it for the civil asset forfeiture. It's like, well, if I do it, the cops will like freak out. Like, <clears throat> but on the other hand, you know, people are jockeying for position. This is why they were so upset that like you supported a challenger. Oh God, I feel so bad. Because really, what they want is your 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 uh, your support. And so there's two ends to it. And uh, look, if this is what if this is what has to be done, and you can vouch for it, I think we're good. That's the litmus yeah. test. Yeah, for sure. But when we hear like, 
when we hear other things going on, we're suspicious. Hanif especially. Hanif, he, he can... He looks at things with a discerning eye. And he doesn't listen. want any foolishness. He was like, at "Wait, all. this is Medina's thing." <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we checked that. I'm glad I remembered to check that. I'm glad you did too. Man. And before I roll out of here, I just want to say that uh, congratulations to everybody who won in 2022. Yeah. But remember how close these races are in 2024. I'm gonna be even more active than I was in 2022. So. We're going to make sure that we get the right people in if you're not the right person. Yeah, and, and yeah. look, I've said it before. I mean, you don't have to take it personally. I'll tell you if I ever see you whether we take it personally or not. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, <clears throat> this, is the Ray, this is the Ray Siegfried thing. The Ray Siegfried principle. Like, he took it very personally, but we didn't take it personally. He seems like a nice enough fella. Larry's just, I mean, so much better. And so, like, this is this is just the way that this is working now. Yeah. And so, I mean, these people are going to have to put that in perspective. Yes, indeed. It should never be, well, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you tell people, but I feel like it should never really be personal. Like, it's politics. If you're a politician, you have to have a tough skin, and you need to realize that you are but a vessel to, like, a, a des- destination, like, if we can't get there with you, we're gonna get in a different vehicle. Like it's not, it's not you, <laughs> it's us. <laughs> it's us. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. I think that's the that's the part that causes friction, uh, is that people don't, they don't even understand that what we're doing is not. We have a different set of objectives, and so they're like, well, "Why would you hurt my feelings?" I was like, "Because I don't care. Like it has yeah. nothing to do with it." That's. I mean, honestly, like, like we have an agenda that we're trying to we're put, trying to put people right. over. Like over. it's all the about primary. the people. The people. Right. If so, I had lost, that's literally what I was telling myself. I'm like, if I lose, it's because my community wants someone different. That's not. That has nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah. That because has to do most, with the community. I, and the mo- most of people the are representing like, a narrow set of interests, and I'm not saying that they they're not say good at like constituent services they get a pothole filled or they put a yeah. stop sign up I'm sure they're good with that or if you have to speak to somebody it you know they can find somebody for you to talk to but for the most part they they're there to slow stuff down make sure it's you know just enough to sort of make people happy and they don't have this is why i think what kowalko said when he gave his speech and retired was so profound he said that Everybody talks about the stakeholders, Chamber of Commerce, banks, uh, lawyers, stakeholders. He's like, I try to look at everybody as my stakeholder. Right. Everybody that lives in my district, even if they didn't vote for me. Right. I feel like they're all, I, they're the people that I feel like I'm supposed to answer to. That blows people's minds because they're not operating that way. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the, that's the thing is like, and they don't goes- understand what you're doing. They don't. They can't even really grasp what it is you're trying to do. I'm gonna say something spicy, but that goes for people in leftist spaces too. Yes. Oh, yes. I completely agree just with you. Just because you volunteer, just because you donate, doesn't mean that you are any more valuable than anyone else. And I think one of the issues we've had is folks thinking that because they helped you um, in whatever way X Y Z that they get to treat you differently or they should be treated differently. And I think what we all need to remember is the essence of why we run grassroots campaigns is because every person in our community is important and matters. And just like I don't 
answer to you know a lobbyist who may give me six hundred dollars i don't i'm not going to answer to a leftist that gives me six hundred dollars either any differently than someone who can't afford to give me a dollar um but who needs me to, to represent them so i think you know it's just a reminder for all of us i think that we're a part of a collective and we all contribute to it but we shouldn't be treated more or less than because of that and this is why medina's a superhero <laughs> Left is best, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>